Whether you're seasoned or new, this is the place for patriots, preppers, and partisans who understand the necessity of being able to receive and share information with others when conventional communications are disrupted or compromised. Grid up or grid down, this is Partisan Radio. Welcome to Volume 39 of Partisan Radio. We are currently at AMCON 5, which is the lowest Amron condition level for threats to our communications infrastructure. There are no known imminent threats to our communications infrastructure at this time. Today, we are going to review or conduct a after-action review by no means comprehensive because more AARs are continuing to flow in. We have a mountain of great feedback for recommended recommendations for helping Amron improve and becoming more efficient. Some of you have assessed yourselves and identified areas that you need to improve upon, which will be shared with others to help others who may be struggling in some of the same areas. So we're going to team up on this, but I want to give you a, I would say, an aggregate overview and hit some of the high points. And in the future at Amaron.com, I will be posting uh, articles as postings with different aspects of the after action reviews, questions, concerns, and feedback. And with our responses and proposed solutions and just the responses there. And we'll post those on amron.com so we can all benefit from it. So this is going to be something trickling out over the next month. But there are some things that we do want to implement uh, right away. And I'll be working with some uh, Amron operators who've kind of weighed in on the, the conversation with me and want to help prioritize some of those things. Let me give you a little bit of insight as far as what we had from our after action review survey, our T-Rex AAR survey, which is still up, we're going to leave that up over at Amron.com. Please take just a few moments to fill that out if you have not done so already and you participated in T-Rex 2016. Let me give you a rundown here. Was this the first time you participated in T-Rex? 61% of you said, no, I've done it before. So, a third, or more than a third, 39% said, yeah, this was my first T-Rex. An eye-opener for a lot of lot of folks and a great training experience. Very positive feedback. Even the negative feedback were, were areas that help will will help us. It's like, hey, let's let's address this. Let's work on that. Uh, some of it we cannot implement, and uh, much of it we can and we will. Are you an Amron Core member? 75% of you said yes. So three quarters of at least the respondents to this survey who participated in T-Rex are Amron Core. So thank you. And it's uh, quite a difference there. 
the level of uh, commitment, participation, and even the skill level uh, of the Amaron Corps has really, really been impressive. Also, I want to stop right now and thank the Amaron operators who help volunteer to help to organize the scenario and all that was involved behind the scenes with T-Rex to make it a success. Thank you guys so much for your time. And thank you to those of you who uh, volunteered as initiating stations with preloaded message traffic to inject into the scenario as it went along. So great job all. Thank you. Now, the highest uh, participating states. Well, I'll give you the first five here. The top five in order. Number one, Idaho. 17% of the participants were from Idaho, followed by Washington, Texas, California, and then North Carolina. Well, let me read the top 10 states, and that might help you re- uh, understand how much work you might have to do in your area, in your state. And we want to help you with this, which is part of what we're evaluating, how we can spread the word and increase participation among the membership in Amron. Now, part of that's on me. We need to work on a our email situation we have to overcome because it is only Amron Core that we are uh, able to have on a mass email list. So we're going to uh, try to address that. But the top uh, in the top 10, from 6 to number 10 states are number 6, Kentucky, 7, Nebraska, followed by Ohio, then Oklahoma, then Oregon. So great job. And if your state was not listed, well, first of all, thank you for participating. And secondly, we've got some work to do, don't we? Get your fellow patriots kicked in the butt. Of the 20 T-Rex messages, how many did you receive? One in five or 19% of you said you received zero messages. Interesting. Not sure why. I know that there were some who emailed me and said, I I just got this rig. I tried to get this antenna hooked up and I couldn't, uh, or my equipment broke. My microphone went out. The, lots of, you know, equipment issues and little things that happen. Murphy shows up, right? So this is the time to identify those things. And sometimes people had it all. They had the gear. They had the the antennas. In fact, I had a couple folks say, hey, look, I could hear all this other traffic that wasn't Amron, and I could hear them just fine. I could talk to them just fine. But when it comes to Amron, I couldn't hear a single station. Uh, That tells me you were probably not using the SOI or you were not using the SOI properly because there was definitely traffic out there on the airwaves. It could also be, we did have poor propagation, but if you're hearing other stations that's not Amron, but you can't hear a single Amron station uh, at various different times, and it was heavier traffic, there was sometimes when there was hardly any Amron traffic on the air during those time windows, and other times it was just thick. So it could be a timing issue as well. So basically, what, 81% of you received traffic. Some more, some less. I'll get this posted next week as well for you to see once we get back from Marble. During the exercise, how many messages did you send or relay to others? 46% of you sent or relayed messages to no other stations. 
and then 9% of you sent 1, 9% of you sent 2, 7% of you sent 5, 5% of you passed on 4 messages. So this is good. Uh, a lot of times with these nets, there are certain stations that are passing traffic and the rest of the stations, if you don't have messages or traffic to pass, you don't need to key up. You need to just be quiet and not add to the congestion. So not a big deal if you did not pass traffic, but uh, 80% of you did receive it. So that's good. Volume of T-Rex 2016 uh, radio message traffic. 52% of you would like to actually see more traffic passed on the airwaves. Uh, 38% said no changes needed. 24% of you said we want more images. Now the images do have a ooh and ah factor. Uh, it's entertaining and makes it fun and interesting. But in most real world situations, there would be, because of the the bandwidth, because of the time that it takes to transmit images, it wouldn't be practical in most situations. But if you do need to send images, you can always QSY off to another frequency. Just go up, go up a couple kilohertz and uh, exchange that image the, with the station that you're trying to get that to. 18% of you said more welfare traffic. I agree. I, I think this is something that whether you would like to see more welfare traffic or not is something you would see a lot of on the airwaves in a real world emergency. So we should probably practice handling that type of traffic and directing it, even if you QSY off to another frequency. So a couple of stations can exchange information. But look, a real world situation, I have a loved one, one of my children or my spouse is somewhere else in the country when a disaster happens. Somebody sends me a sit rep and says, hey, this bridge is out over here on this highway. I'm going to say, well, that's sad. Now, how's my wife? Where's my daughter? Where's my son? You know, I want I want to know where my loved ones are. So I, I think that you would, and, and that's also something that was uh, revealed through Cascadia Rising. The social media traffic that we saw was overwhelmingly, it was people crying for help. It was people crying for, where's my loved ones? Where's my dad? Where's my mom? Where's my, my sister? Where's my son? Uh, somebody help me find them. They were frantically trying to locate loved ones in this disaster. And that was a very large amount of social media traffic. And we could expect the same in the way of radio traffic in a real world emergency. We should just practice. And we need to incorporate more of that. It was, uh, it was good to see that out there. How did you receive the majority of your traffic? 81% of you, well, digital rocks, doesn't it? We had some solar flare activity right before T-Rex, which made at certain times, it was beautiful on the airwaves. At certain times and the majority of the weekend, it was less than favorable and sometimes just horrible band conditions. And uh, that, that moves around you know, an hour later, it can open up and you just, wow, I can hit this guy, you know, from uh, Oregon to Georgia. This is great. And then, boom, the band closes. So that's when digital gets through. Uh, oftentimes, not always, sometimes digital is, you know, is adversely affected as well. But there are times when you cannot get a voice message through when digital does get through. 81% of you actually got the majority of your traffic over digital modes. It's also nice too because it's faster 
in the way that you don't have to speak really slow and then repeat what you're saying and fill in the blanks and and, and all this and, and hand write it out. It's right there on your laptop. You just save that audio or the save that text file or print it out. And there's your report right in your hand, all completed and worded right there. The quality of net control operators, they did very well, especially since this is an area that we're lacking in among Amron is we need to provide better training for our net control operators. We do have some some pretty good guidance for them, but we really need to help do what we can to better equip them for handling various different situations, kind of like air traffic control. Okay, what happens when this happens? What are you going to do? And so we'll work on that, on that training, but man, the net control operators did good. On a scale of one to 10, uh, they rated anywhere from five, you know, average, they're proficient, all the way up to 10, outstanding. And so that was encouraging. We did have some net control operators struggle. And we had some net control operators that, you know, assumed the duties of net control operators that stumbled a little bit. And that's just a matter of experience and training, but they did it. And we're thankful for that. That's what they're supposed to do. If there's not a net control operator, step up and assume that duty. You don't have to be a net control operator. You just you just assume the duty. Hey, I'm the net control operator. Until I'm relieved, I'm it. So do we have any priority or higher traffic? Come now, over. <laughs> just take control. But then there were also some experienced net control operators who made some mistakes or were disorganized and should have known better and didn't. But uh, you've got stress, you've got lack of sleep, you've got that's going to happen. But that was reflected in this survey. What was the quality and participation of your local two meter nets? This is very revealing. Out of a scale of one to zero, we rate 1.53. We got a 1.5 on a scale of 1 to 10. So we've got some work to do with our local nets. I know that there were areas where there are a lot of Amron operators, and you would hear two Amron operators on the air asking for check-ins and silence. So when you've got when you've got an area with 40 Amron operators on the member directory, all within one county, and you've got two people on the air, including the net control throughout the whole exercise, two to three, maybe four people. If you added them all up by the end of the exercise, there's a problem. Now, part of that problem I take ownership for, we need to get, right now I only have an email set up for Amron Core because it's grown so much. I need an email, like a database uh, a program so I can email 4,000 people and I can't I, we're not set up for that. We don't have the, the I don't know, the infrastructure, the programming and the server space and all that. So uh, the participation naturally would be way higher if I were able to keep Amron in front of people without hounding them with, you know, like spam, but just uh, staying in front of them and reminding them of T-Rex and, and things like that. So uh, we will work on that. The quality or the participation level of local two-meter nets is definitely something we need to work on. Uh, did you make any contacts via CH3? 11% of you did. And this is where we reach out to the non-licensed radio community on CB, FRS, MERS. And uh, that's on CH3 or Channel 3. So good job you guys doing that. We'd like to see that increased and improved. But uh Glad to see those of you guys that are able to do that, doing that. And those are very limited communications devices. 
uh, you cannot expect to have a lot of radio traffic where you can talk to lots of folks on CH3, but uh, we want you to at least try. Did you participate as an individual, a family, or a group? Three uh, three quarters of you, 73% operated strictly as an individual throughout the weekend. Uh, 22% of you worked within a group and 14% of you with your family. And a lot of these 73, 22, and 14 does not add up to 100%. It's because many of you operated part of it with a group and part of it by yourself or you operated by yourself and then your family joined you later on in the exercise. So you got to do both. And uh, those are the numbers there. Where did you operate from? 85% of us from home or other fixed location, a permanently set up communications setup. As far as uh, field portable, you might have a base type system and big antennas, but you actually had to set it up for this exercise. Field portable, 18% of you. 11% of you operated mobile and 8% of you operated portable, like out of a backpack where you string up a wire in a tree, you set up your comms and you move on. Uh, Or you just operated QRP, which means low power. Uh, In the back of a shop, in your barn, off the tailgate of the truck, on 5 watts, 10 watts, 2 watts. Well, 8% of you participated that way, and uh, it was great to hear you guys on the air. Yes, I did hear QRP stations on the air and talk to them from 1,500 miles or 1,200 miles away. It was great. Good job. What gear did you use? 88% of the participants used HF transceivers. You guys got to upgrade when you can to HF. Uh, I know you just got your technician and you're rolling your eyes. And you're like, man, I just got my tech. I got my Baofeng. Okay, good. Good. Good job. And I want to just encourage you to start looking further to expand your capabilities. Just put it on your radar. You don't have to do it next week, but strive to increase your capabilities. And HF, once you get to HF, you're going to realize this is where, this is this is it. HF is hands down for regional communications, uh, national or continental communications. 53% of you used a VHF transceiver. 25% of you used HF shortwave radios receivers. Uh, 17% used scanners and 15% used FRS. And here's something new we introduced or uh, put out there is the web SDR, software defined radio uh, streaming over the internet. 15% of you use that tool because, hey, you just got your technician license. You just got a nice handheld or mobile radio, but you don't have HF capabilities yet and you're working on it. You'll have it probably by the end of the year, but you're just not there yet. Well, you can use web software-defined radio to tune in to the HF nets. It was uh, was a pretty cool tool. Go to amron.com and look that up. I put a posting and a uh, video up for that. HF voice, 57% of you said it was hit and miss, and we did have some poor band conditions. 23%, one out of four said HF voice was useless that weekend. 9% 9% of you said it was usually reliable for you, or 7% did not even use. 4% said HF voice for them was very reliable during the exercise. Uh, HF digital, usually reliable, very reliable, and hit and miss is all 44%, 20%, 18%. 
digital is definitely where it's at. Now, there's some other categories here, but I want to get over to how you rated yourself on a scale of one to five. Skills and experience. How do you feel your station did or you as an operator? This is skills and experience. Where do you think you fit? Give us a rating of yourself on one to five. It was just about a three, which means, hey, I know some things. I've been practicing. Some things were successful, but I've got a lot of improvements to make in my skills and my experience level. So thank you for your honesty. And we do. And we're going to do this together. We're all in this together, right? We all have lots to learn. Equipment, software, antennas. How did your station fare? Well, 3.42. So about three and a half on a scale of one to five. The training materials and instructions that we provided, again, three and a half, 3.45. So on a scale of one to five, I take that as an assessment of of Amron or me and the, the partisans who helped to put all this together. How well did we prepare you for this? with training materials and instructions. You rated us a 3.5, roughly, on a scale of 1 to 5. And uh, we definitely understand there are some areas, lots of improvement. Off-grid power requirements. How did you fare? 3.5 out of a scale of 1 to 5. This is pretty much the standard running all the way through. Here's something that's kind of interesting, too. Of those of you who participated in T-Rex, How many of you participate in the 40-meter and 80-meter nets, the regularly scheduled Amron nets? 64%, only two-thirds of those who participated in T-Rex actually participate in the regularly scheduled Amron nets. 43% practice in the 20-meter nets. Uh, I participate when able, very hit and miss, 38%. So... Obviously, if we can raise this number where people that participate in the 40 and 80 meter nets and the 20 meter nets up from 64% and 43% respectively, we get that raised. We'll see these other numbers raise as far as how effective you are on the air and your skills and the number of messages that you will receive or send. So we definitely need more participation in the regularly scheduled Amron nets that will bring all these other numbers up. I'm not talking about you guys that, hey, I'm a truck driver and I can't, I I have a schedule. I can't participate on week. I work swing shifts and so I can, that's fine. That's okay. We understand. But, you know, somebody just uh, just doesn't feel like it or, you know, something like that. And then you want to jump into T-Rex. You're going to see the effects of that that lack of training in a disaster training exercise and in a real world disaster. The level of family support and participation during T-Rex was less than a three out of five stars, 2.83. Overall, how satisfied were you with T-Rex 2016? Not too bad, a 3.67. So almost four stars out of five for uh, your satisfaction with T-Rex. So lots of room for improvement and learned a lot. In fact, 61% of you, 61% of you said, I learned a lot, learned a ton, and we'll be making improvements. One out of five of you said, I didn't learn a lot, but it was great to practice. 
And one out of five of you said, I'm a newbie and I realize I have a lot to learn. I will get in and do it. And we had one person select, I realize comms isn't for me. Not too bad, right? A hundred respondents. Thank you guys. Well, 99, maybe a hundred by now. But one out of 100, comms isn't for everyone, but it's for 99 out of 100 people that are going to make improvements, right? Okay, let's take a look at some of this others, some, some of the other feedback, the after action reviews that I have. I want to remind you, this is not comprehensive. There is a ton of information. I'm slowly organizing. I'm even looking at categorizing some of this and putting, putting up postings to respond specifically to the certain components of these different after action reviews that were coming in. So let's go through this. First of all, number one feedback, (laughs) digital rocks. Digital comms is where it's at. Uh, People saying, I couldn't, I, I could make out the voices, but I could not hear what they were saying. I'd get bits and pieces and the band would fade and I was just pulling my hair out. But when the digital net started up, that message, the text started just flowing across the screen and there was the message. Uh, Someone writes, I need to make more time. Comms is almost a full-time duty. Uh, Yes, comms is a full-time duty. Now, you want to refer to the SOI. And realize that those are net windows of opportunity every six hours. Okay, so every six hours, the net cycle will begin with the 20 meter net. And then it goes to the 40 or 80, depending on the time of the year. And then it goes to your local nets. And I'll tell you what, that's all I did. In a real world disaster, that would not be sustainable. Okay, we uh, we other, we understand that. Uh, additionally... We have rolling nets, which really lend themselves well for regional communications. But I might want to monitor the next time zone over to see what's kind of coming down the line, what traffic's out there. I want want to tune in. That's going to take up more time. In fact, I got down to the point where there was really only about an hour and then another period where there was about an hour and a half of meaningful downtime. So in a real world disaster, this would, would not be sustainable. Now, the solution to that is in a real-world situation, we'd evaluate the situation and we'd adjust the SOI. If we have a team of people that could take shifts, we may just park on frequency and have somebody there 24 hours a day, depending on the situation. We may scale back and just have one net every day at the same time. But the SOI allows us time windows to increase the opportunity, the chances of being able to reach others in Amron. So I know that, uh, you know, the last uh, six hours I've been trying to, I don't know, get this truck uh, unstuck or get my tractor going or uh, cutting some firewood or, you know, the the wind damage, clearing trees off of the road or Maybe because of the tactical situation, I'm out there with my chainsaw dropping trees on the road. So I've not been there for the last two nets. Now, that's a that's a reality that we're just going to have to understand exists. So it doesn't mean you have to run and be at the radio every single time. But those are windows of opportunity for us to be able to. We will assess the situation and we will make adjustments from there. It could be a grid down nationwide grid down situation where people are like I here was some one of the biggest feedbacks was power. I did not have enough power. A lot of people did. 
But maybe because they had a generator, what happens when those people start running low on fuel? What happens when you realize that there's been so much traffic, I can't, that my battery is not, I can't, and it's a cloudy day and my solar panel's not charging it up and I ran out of fuel for my generator. Well, we need to consider those things so we may scale back to one or two official net times per day just just to share critical information. So anyway, hopefully uh, you understand that. Uh, Doesn't mean you have to be on the air at that specific time, every six hours, around the clock, uh, that's not sustainable. We we understand that. Now, here's another one. I was dubious, suspicious. When I read the announcement that T-Rex 2016 would be piggybacked on the FEMA Cascadia Rising exercise, I had several concerns. Many of the people in our group uh, don't trust FEMA or any other federal agency, and the exercise seemed too regional. Okay, first of all, we're going for realism. Uh, a major catastrophic disaster regionally is extremely realistic. So yes, it was regional and then it went national. Okay, now I'm suspicious of FEMA as well, <laughs> but uh, Amron didn't participate in Cascadia Rising. That was strictly a government continuity of government and disaster response exercise, which had a lot of disaster communications. So we didn't participate like, hey, this is an Amron operator checking into the local FEMA and National Guard net, you know, uh, do you got any traffic for me? We didn't participate. We monitored this in a real world situation. And this is where this opportunity was lost on so many people not realizing what we had at our fingertips and letting it go. That's FEMA. I don't trust them. So I'm I'm not participating. I'm going to go about my business. And uh, this weekend, I'll I'll participate in T-Rex. Hold on. In a real world disaster, who's going to be responding? It's going to be FEMA. It's going to be the National Guard. It's going to be Aries. It's going to be Racies. It's going to be the, the local emergency groups. It's going to be the Red Cross, the Salvation Army. All those organizations are going to be taken to the airwaves. Where do you think you're going to get the bulk of your information out of a disaster impact zone? It's going to be from all of that traffic with all of those resources and assets spread to the four winds, communicating with each other. This is how we are going to be able to stay informed in the developments of the developments in a real world disaster. Okay, now, do you know what frequencies are listed? Because they're listed and we have them listed for Aries, Racies and FEMA and National Guard and stuff like that. Why? So you can stay informed. But only now... You don't know which of those frequencies actually never get used and the ones that they used heavily. What frequencies, what modes? Oh, there's Mars too, the military amateur radio service. All these organizations taken to the airwaves. And this was a great opportunity to practice monitoring and receiving communications off the air in a massive disaster response. And this exercise was massive. Yes, it was regional, like most emergencies would be, but then it led into a national emergency. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys. This was, if if someone didn't participate by monitoring, documenting, you know those forms that we have for monitoring and logging radio traffic that you copy and monitor over the air? If you didn't seize that opportunity, which is about as real as it's going to get to prepare you for what the airwaves are really going to be like, you squandered an opportunity. 
a golden, rare opportunity because it had FEMA stamped on it. So anyway, I know there are several of you who had that sentiment, but you missed it. It completely, you completely missed it. So that's about all I can say. But this was uh, turned out really good. He says, another concern was a relative lack of communication regarding T-Rex 2016. I do not have the attention span to listen to long podcasts, and there was very little other communication regarding the exercise. First of all, we have regularly training, regularly scheduled training practice nets. Secondly, there were videos that I produced talking about how to participate in T-Rex. And also, in a real-world situation, we're not going to have ramp-up, spin-up operations. We're going to be hurled into it usually without notice, and there we are scrambling onto the airwaves to try to get in contact with each other and find out what's going on and start sharing information. It's as simple as that. It's very simplified. But see, when he starts off saying, I was concerned about this lack of communications going into T-Rex, this is what he had to say later. He set up the station at their old abandoned barn, erected a buddy pole, started monitoring the nets. In between the nets, They completed rifle qualification and their sniper squad eliminated a pesky skunk that had entered a nearby field. I copied some traffic at the afternoon net, but the evening was when it really rocked, especially on digital. See, because he started off saying he arrived at their FTX site and at that time didn't even know if T-Rex 2016 was still taking place. Nevertheless, he decided to open the SOI and run with it. I tuned my radio running mobile in the car to the 20 meter frequency, I immediately connected with an Amron operator and copied a huge amount of message generated, messages generated since the night before. And from then on, it was only going to get better. Uh, we copied message after message, including two SITREP forms complete and two images, grainy, and we really couldn't figure out the last one, but we got them nonetheless. I was up till 0100 on 12 June to make sure I copied all of the messages. I was also able to communicate with other Amron stations, even though I was only running 10 watts for most of the exercise. I was doing so well, I didn't even utilize the more powerful Yesu FT-857. All in all, T-Rex 2016 was more successful than 2015 when I only copied three or four messages. And I found I don't need a lot of pre-exercise instructions. The, the SOI is all I needed. The lessons I learn are to log all FL Digi traffic so I will have the message numbers and stations in the event I have to pass one on. I will make sure and do this next year. So to those, a few saying, oh, there wasn't enough. Uh, We needed more instructions before T-Rex. I felt like going into it, we didn't really know what to expect. I'm like, welcome to the real world. This is what a disaster is going to be like. And here's just one of several testimonies. I I felt confused. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if the nets were going on. It's kind of like we just like all of a sudden just went into it. We just started. And then, so I just opened up the SOI and I tuned in and bam, there's, there it is. There's Amron on the air. That's realistic training. So thank you guys for sharing that. It's just a good testimony. Lots of people saying, I need more power. I need more off-grid power, uh, especially the demands of being a net control operator. But as you go, you're going to coordinate with other operators and set up a schedule, which is something we need to incorporate into our training so they know to do that. 
So they're conscious of it. Okay, we've been running this disaster happened two days ago. We're all up to speed on kind of the size and scope of this and the effects and uh, of this disaster. We've checked on each other. We're sharing information, but we've got stuff we need to tend to. Let's set up a net schedule. Hey, Joe, would you mind taking it uh, tomorrow? Camp on this frequency. Just park from noon to two. I'll take it from two to four. And uh, Bill, you take it from four to six, and uh, we'll rotate or three or four hour schedules, whatever it is. You work it out so that you can scale back the power and stuff like that that you're using. Time. (laughs) The time. From the I got my rear end kicked category, HF antenna and HF rig mic went down. So received no traffic and no VHF nets or Amron operators nearby. Now that the exercise is over, replacements and backups are in place. Additional power backups have been put in and streamlined. Additional group members are working on ham licenses and will probably apply to Amron within a year or two. A year or two? Okay, I have a shortwave radio. I have one of those county comms shortwave radios, and I also have a Texan PL880 with a wire coiled up, rolled up. Now, I don't hardly ever use them anymore, except when I'm demonstrating them or if I'm out in the field and I just want to set up and listen to the radio while I'm doing other stuff. A little shortwave, AM, FM, shortwave, single sideband radio. They're really cool little radios. But what a great backup. If you can't transmit because your mic and HF rig go out, one of those little 70 or $170 shortwave radios with the wire strung up in a tree gets you back in the game for at least receiving communications. So uh, anyway, something to think about there. I'm giving you lots to think about. It's miscellaneous recommendations and feedback. If this event happened, people would be trying to get welfare checks to friends to friends both inside and outside the area first in my opinion and this is one of the arguments for let's get more welfare traffic very true people need to follow the soi better i heard several times where there was rag chew that means just shooting the bull on frequency when a net was scheduled participants were doubling with ncs because they were in his skip zone so it was causing a lot of issues because there were multiple conversations going on this is a tough one to say yeah if there's a net scheduled you guys don't talk because there's probably a net going on that you can't hear well there were times actually when we got on the air like in the one o'clock in the morning when i would bump into another amron operator and there were no nets there was no other traffic that we could hear so we just so how you doing you holding up okay yeah i'm doing good how about you and so then you just start chewing the rag right just shooting the bull shooting the breeze Okay, now somebody else may have heard us, but if there is a net going on, this was the complaint. You can't really fault people for getting on the air and they hear no one else. So they just start checking on each other and then it turns into a conversation. Not a problem, but for the station that's hearing net control and hearing them, he's hearing multiple conversations going on and he can't really copy, make sense of either one of them. Well, if that happens, break in. Say net control break. Yeah, this is uh, call sign so-and-so. You've got a couple other guys here that are talking, and they apparently cannot hear you. Let me uh, let them know that the net's going on now. And net control says, oh, okay, yeah, roger that. Thank you. I'll be standing by. Over. Okay, so then the station in the middle says, hey, guys, the Amron net just started, just so you know. 
hold off on your your uh, traffic and I will relay to you guys any traffic or I'll check you in. So stand by until you hear from me. All right, net control back to you. Net control says, hey, thanks for that. All right, continuing the net, blah, 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 bitty, blah. And he continues. So don't sit there and suffer because you can hear two stations at once, a couple of Amron operators shooting the bull over here while you got the net control operator trying to run the net over there. Neither of them can hear each other, but you can hear them both. Help them out. Break in and help the net control maintain order on the airwaves, which is the net control's job. And your job, Amron operators, is to help him do that for times just like those. Someone said more training nets. We need more training nets. Okay, we have, there's a difference. A lot of calls said we need Elmers and we need training. This is going to be a long partisan radio, as you can tell. <laughs> All right. Someone said we need more training nets. Now, there's a difference between a practice net and a training net. We have regularly scheduled practice nets at least twice a month. That's for practicing, not the same as training Practicing is checking out your gear, making sure the forms work properly, sending a form from one guy to another. Yeah, I got it. Okay. And then you're using the chat room. Okay. I'm going to send this message out. Everybody watch for it. Okay. You put that in the chat room and and other people like, Hey, I got it over here. I got it there. Let me send it back to you. You're practicing. You're practicing with that new antenna that you just put up because you're not sure if you got your choke properly set up. This is practicing. Training, that's when you are simulating how it's going to be in the real world. So we need more training nets, which we will be doing at least once a quarter, even if it's just a little two-hour exercise training window. When we put out an alert, you know, training exercise, training exercise, hurricane just hit such and such, everybody on the air, okay? And then we'll throw like a little mini T-Rex, but it could be an hour, it could be four hours, it could be six hours, you know, but it will be a mini training exercise in response to a disaster. And this is where we will train up. Now, besides training exercises, we will also have training nets. This is where the practice and training will kind of merge. This is where we will train sending radio traffic back and forth, just like you would in a real world situation. Practice is just practicing, practicing with your gear, practicing with your equipment, practicing using those forms. You're kind of mentoring each other. You're working out. Training is where you are I already said it. Okay, I'm repeating myself. So you get that. People are asking for Elmer. Uh, it would be great to have a comms buddy system designed to help newer hams get their comms up and be more effective operators. Additionally, I'd love some guidance on making our fledgling Wisconsin sub-regional net more effective. Okay, if you have a sub-regional net and you're struggling, let me know. I will shoot out an email to all the contacts in your region and remind them of the net, try to encourage participation. We'll do as much as we can, even to have surrounding state uh, operators jump in and participate in your net to help create some momentum and kind of give give some guidance and, and some help. As far as a buddy system, all of us have the ham radio clubs and local groups. Many of you have Amron groups that you've started in your area because you have high numbers of Amron operators and you meet maybe once a month for uh, 
you know, antenna building parties and barbecues and getting to know each other and strengthening those relationships. But we don't have anything like that Amron wide, but Amron Core does have that system. Amron Core operators have done a great job of building and fostering those relationships. There's an online forum where people do get support and they do mentor one another. They have uh, nets or they meet up on the air and say, hey, I'm, I'm trying to work out this antenna. Can I get some operators meet me on the air and do some testing? Boom. They've got two, three, four operators jumping on the air to help help them walk through that. And that's what we've done with Amron Core. So that's that system is there in place. A class would be helpful and or a mentor. If I have to figure it out on my own, it will take months, if not years, to become proficient. First of all, and I always say this, YouTube is your friend. Anything you need to know about ham radio, someone's made a YouTube tutorial video on it. Now that is, I understand, not the same as having a guy sit there right next to you saying, no, no, uh, click on the box above it. You know, fill that in. There, click on that box right there. It is, it is great if you have an Elmer, but we're spread out. It's a nationwide network. If you don't have an Elmer around you, then go to YouTube. And you know what you could do also is shoot me an email and I'll try to find an Amron core operator in your area to help you work through some of the issues that you might be struggling with. You know, you don't uh, know how to use a manual HF tuner. You picked it up from a ham fest. If there's something that you run into, you need some help with, need an Elmer, let me know. We don't want to let anybody behind, but I will tell you, Amron Core has a great support network in a system where these guys are really do. They work together all the time and there's some uh, less experienced Amron Core operators who have been working with experienced core operators and really growing. Uh, newbies could benefit from a single source of info about how to participate. I had to hunt down info that ultimately was a bit confusing from the site, multiple podcasts, and a whole lot of just tuning through the bands for hours on end. If this were a real world situation, I'm sure I would have more things to attend to besides being on the radio. All right. uh, Yes, you're absolutely right. You would have more things to do besides being on the radio. If you're just tuning through the bands for hours on end, you're not using the SOI. Use the SOI. The signals operating instructions tells everyone what frequency, band, mode, and time to be on the air. Now, I agree though, and this is something that's on my list to make huge improvements for. It felt scatterbrained to me, the ramp up to T-Rex. And so that is uh, very high on my priority list for T-Rex next year is to make sure that it is a smooth information flow that's in a nice neat package that's easy easily uh consumable for you guys to be able to uh, understand what what t-rex is how it's supposed to look what the different operators role is anyway i'm going to clean that up and uh, i totally agree that it could have been done so so much better but on the other hand in a real world disaster emergency if you got the SOI in your hand and you know the lights just went out, boom, there you are in the dark saying what just happened. You, along with everyone else, is going to be looking to your SOI. You're going to be firing up your radio and you're going to be following that SOI 
because the highest number of people getting on the airwaves are going to be using the SOI also. And that's the highest probability of meeting up with others to say, anybody know just what happened and are, are, is everything out in your state as well? And then start sharing information. Lots of requests for NVIS regional type coverage. I will make that a separate posting in and of itself. I will address that separately. Getting gear before T-Rex and getting a copy of the SOI the day of T-Rex or over the weekend of T-Rex. Literally, I had people find out about T-Rex on Saturday when we're full blown, which you're lucky we didn't pull the website down because we intended to. And that everything look when we say we are in a grid down disaster situation there is no grid up support the only exception we made this year was promoted the web sdr so you could use the internet to listen to hf bands and tune around and play with that because you're not quite there on hf yet not because you don't have an interest it's just because that's where you are in your journey so we don't want to you know leave you out but chat room uh uh-uh Website, no. Uh, SOI sales, it's not going to happen. Not going to buy an SOI the day of T-Rex and and then say, I just couldn't, I'm tuning around and I can't find anybody. This was a disaster. Okay, so uh, this is why, look, we have training nets. We have regularly scheduled practice nets, I should say. Those are practice. T-Rex is the test. Okay, so if you just show up the day of the test and you have not been participating in everything leading up to prepare you for the test, you're not going to fare well. So some self-evaluation there as well. Learn to keep miscellaneous gear packed when not actively being used. (laughs) How many people's ham shacks turn into a disaster zone in and of itself because stuff was not getting put away and stacks of papers and stuff falling over and uh, connectors? Uh, Yeah, mine did. So this is a great one. Somebody sent in, learn to keep miscellaneous gear packed when not actively being used. Work on more off-grid power capability. That's a big one for a lot of people. Working on getting deployment kit put together. Good. Maybe make the contest harder. People were advertising all of the message that they had. So all you needed to do was participate in one of the later nets. Maybe make it so people actually need the content of the messages. I think it was good as people were sharing as much information as possible. Stress the use of forms. They were great when they were sent properly. I agree. They were. That was, uh, those forms are so, they're so cool. When they are sent properly or when the receiving station has them loaded properly and then everything works as it should. Yeah, those are great. But I agree with this. You'll notice on the SITREP forms, there are there is an expiration date. And uh, we are going to start incorporating those for time-sensitive, time-sensitive messages. In other words, the National Guard is going to deliver a pallet of bottled water to the Anytown USA post office parking lot tomorrow at noon. That message should have an expiration date of noon or... 1300 hours on that day. In other words, when you see that expiration date, if you receive a message and you look at the expiration date and you're past that, do not send that message because you're going to clog up the airwaves with stuff that's not relevant anymore. That's why there is an 
expiration date on there. So that's something we are going to incorporate, fold into the training to emphasize. And that will also help eliminate the contest side of things where people are just trying to collect the network of the, the contest word, which we want we want to have that. So the contest word is a is a great tool to um, reward people participation and great interaction. But we don't want people going uh, to the beach on Saturday and hanging out and barbecuing and not participating in T-Rex because they know Sunday morning they'll just get on the net and they can just they'll have somebody will have a list of all the messages and I'll just get it then. All right. You're not training then. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to address that. Uh, other Amron members in the country, though they may be too far to reach without the use of a repeater during real emergencies, repeaters may not be available. Uh, this person said there, uh, there's there's a lot of emphasis placed on national and regional comms. While they are important for more widespread distribution of information, there is still the local communications that seem to be neglected, or at least that's my perspective from my location. I have handheld transceivers and scanners that are set to monitor the local frequencies, but I never hear anybody on them. I know that there are some other Amron members in the in the county, though they may be too uh, far to reach without the use of repeaters. Okay, T-Rex places emphasis on the national and regional comms because T-Rex is a national communications exercise. The local nets should be conducting their own training exercises, and I know that several of them do. And additionally, those local nets should be conducting nets on their own during T-Rex. That's something that the local Amron operators must take ownership of. In a national disaster, that's information flowing above you. You reach up and snatch it out of the air and you share it locally. That's on you. That is, and how well a local net does, a network of like-minded patriots, how well you perform really depends on that local network. We can't make anybody be committed or more committed or less committed. That's going to come from the local leadership on the ground and the personalities and persons in each local net. Some of them are strong and lots of participation and membership. Others are weak or non-existent. It's the one guy out there in this town all by himself, right? There are no Amron operators. Others, there's one or two Amron operators that are dedicated and committed. And according to the membership directory, there's 15 other Amron operators in their county, but they never hear them on the air. So I, I don't know what to say about that other than what I think is is within my power to influence. And that is, it goes back to that staying in front of those who have joined Amron through a regularly, uh, a regular email uh, protocol, some type of uh, program where I can keep people informed through, through email when they, when they join up. And we're not doing that because we can't, uh, and we can only do that with Amron Core because of the large uh, number of members. So that is on my list of things to take care of. And that will guaranteed it will make all the difference in uh, participation in these nets. We'll see it, you know, probably go up fivefold 
if we're able to do that. So I take responsibility for that, and I am working on that. I will need some technical technical help from some of our real tech-savvy folks out there, IT folks that especially work with uh, mass mailing type of, uh, what do you want to call it, a database, I guess. So uh, anyway, that's it. This went really long. Hope that helps. Hope you enjoy this and found it useful. Much more on the way, a lot more training, and a lot more practice is coming. You guys have already identified what you need to do to uh, improve your situation in your station and your skills. And we're going to help you with that. There's a lot of stuff that we need to do as Amron to help you do that and get you trained up for a real world disaster situation, which is why we're all here, right? Okay, that is a wrap. I will go ahead and get this uploaded. I know it came a little bit later than what I was hoping to, and we got our hands full. We will be on the air at Marble this coming weekend. So on Saturday, the 25th, on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time, we'll have Amron operators on the air. Field day is coming up this weekend, and Amron operators will be on the air. We will be on the air from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time. Several Amron operators on digital and voice will be parked on those various different 20 meter and 40 meter voice and digital frequencies. So uh, call in and call in for the, the Amron operators that are monitoring and say hi and check in. So, all right, guys. God bless 73. This is John Jacob Schmidt, out. As ready, trained communicators, right up to the present time, radio hams have been busy every single minute. The ever-increasing group of radio amateurs who have equipped themselves at their own expense with two-way radio sets by amateurs who saw their opportunity to render a public service and paid off for Americans in trouble.